I am so glad that you could join us for today's Isle of Misfits podcast. And and I'm so excited about today's guest. In fact, I'm almost beside myself. Uh, and you'll probably hear me geeking out just a little bit because, well, it's it's not just that I'm an avid reader of his many books, but I am an unabashed fan of the hopeful message woven throughout all of them. So listen in, my friends, because I think you'll be excited and maybe you'll find yourself geeking out just a little bit too. So welcome to the Isle of Misfits, where every square peg fits in and every toy finds its girl or boy. So Okay, normally this would be the place where I give a big bio for our special guest here on the aisle, but today that will not be necessary because once I start naming his best-selling books, oh, you will know. So let's drag this out a little. I'll tell you instead about his newest book. It makes some pretty bold and audacious claims about eternity. The boldest and most audacious claim being that heaven is not our eternal home. I know that sounds like crazy talk. But now that I have your attention, the name of the book is called All Things New. And its author has written, oh, I don't know, two or three bajillion other New York Times best-selling titles. That's just a rough estimate. Um, But those titles include Wild at Heart, Waking the Dead, Beautiful Outlaw, among others. I am talking about none other than John Eldridge. So thank you for joining us on the aisle, John Eldridge. Oh, Nancy, you are such a delight. I'm already (laughs) loving this. (laughs) <laughs> I'm so glad to hear that. I was joking with you before we started the interview that I was going to try to not be like Chris Farley with that Paul McCartney interview on SNL for those of you who watch that kind of thing. So thank you so right. much for joining us. Yeah, you're welcome. So, all right, so I have to get this out of the way. All right, so um, I, I, I need to give you a little shout-out here. You don't know this, but you actually helped me snag a certain fella. So here's the story. Years ago, I read a book of yours called Wild at Heart, I got so excited about it. This was about 2002, all right? So I passed it on to this certain fella. He got excited about the message. He started buying all the books, passed it on to his friends and men in his life, and in the process realized what a catch I was. Oh, and the rest is nice. history. Oh, yes. We've been married 12 and a half years. <laughs> and we, you know, we gave a little shout-out to Neil Clark Warren, who also gave us some remedial help at our wedding. But really... A fair amount of the credit should go to you. So this is my chance to publicly thank you, John Eldridge. Oh, I'm delighted. I love the story. So your firstborn is named John, right? Uh, yes, and she's a girl. So imagine that. <laughs> but that's a whole other issue with gender. Um, <laughs> maybe we'll talk about that too. So I always like to start out with my guests by playing uh, what I like to call a stupid game. So it's become a tradition. So here's the stupid game, if you are willing. So the game goes like this. You have traveled a lot, right? You've been to a lot of exotic locales, correct? Well, I guess I have, yep. But here's, here's how the game is going to go. You're, in fact, usually I put my guests in the hot seat. Today I am in the hot seat. So you're going to name three exotic locations across this beautiful earth of ours. Two of them will be places you've actually visited. One will not be. My job is to guess where John Eldridge has not been. Are you ready? Are you ready? That is the question, isn't it? <laughs> okay, all right. I'm ready. You, you, okay, you just so lay it on me. Exotic places for 500. Here we okay. go. All right. Patagonia. Patagonia. That's the a clothing Yukon, line, isn't it? The Yukon. Siberia. Siberia. Oh, wow. Okay, well, I, Yukon. All right, come on. I read your books. I know you've been there. Uh... Patagonia. That sounds like a place you've been. I'm sure you wear their clothing line. Um, 
And Siberia. Maybe you're throwing me with that one. I'm going to say Siberia. You're right. Yay! How did I know that? Bump it a bum. You get the vacation, the car, and a lifetime subscription to my podcast. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. Actually, you know what? I was going to award myself that trip, and then I would tell you all about it you know, when I get back. So, um, oh, yeah, Siberia, here I come. Great. Awesome. <laughs> all right, well, moving right along. Um, let's talk about all things new. Um, oh, I want to start with, yeah, I want to start with a little backstory, though. In some ways, this book, in many ways, is probably the most important book, at least in my opinion. And I think I've read nearly all of your books. Um, but I also think you started writing this book with another book called Waking the Dead. But tell us, tell us about some of the things going on in your life this past year that precipitated this particular book at this particular time. Oh, yeah. Um, last year was a rough year um, for our family. We started off the year um, with a suicide in our extended family. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was the one to get the phone call. And I had to go find my son and um, tell him that his wife's brother had taken his life. And then we had to find her and break the news to her. Mm. And, um, and then there was joy on the horizon. Then a couple months later, we were so pumped. One night, Stacy and I were here at the house and the kids dropped by. We have three sons, all married. Two of them live in town. They came over with their wives to tell us that not one but both of them were expecting their oh, first wow. child. Oh. And they were going to be born within weeks of each other. <gasps> oh, wow. So we were so excited, like the joy of little cousins and mm-hmm. running around playing cowboys or cowgirls. And, um, and then tragedy again. And our son and daughter went through a really horrible, um, painful miscarriage. So I buried my first grandson. Oh, man. Mm. Um, Brutal to watch your kids grieve. It's just brutal. Um, Now, there's good news there. I want to say that they kept their hearts open. um, And this last year, they just had a little girl. Oh, that's wonderful. There's a sweetness to that story now. But, man, last year was hard. And then... Mm-hmm. We had my son's wedding. My third son got married in in June up in Washington State, and I got to do the service, and it was so awesome. And and then the next day, my best friend calls to tell me that he has six weeks to live, that his cancer mm-hmm. has come back. Mm. And, and this is your friend Craig, correct? Yeah, yeah. We were yeah. dear friends for 39 years. Mm. Wow, that's a long so, time. Last year was a really hard year, and, and it did. It did give birth. Um, the beautiful part of the story, though, Nancy, is Jesus already had me in this book. He already had me working on a manuscript about mm-hmm. hope and about the restoration of all mm-hmm. things, which we're going to talk about today. But so kind of him to have my heart already kind of nestled into those truths, um, as these stories began to unfold, because I'll tell you what, life's brutal, man. I mean, like, I'm a, I'm a huge lover of life. Like, yep, I've been to Patagonia, Yukon, all kinds of places, and I 
love to mountain climb and I love my granddaughters and life can be beautiful life life can be amazing but life can also break your heart and mm-hmm. and uh, it certainly that's can why, that's why I think this book well you were saying I, I just think this book is super important for people right now Yes, especially at this time. Um, and, and I said a, a minute ago, I don't know if it made sense to you, that I, I think in some ways Waking the Dead was sort of the, the, the seed of this book with some of the themes in it of what we're really meant for. Yeah, yep. Yep, Journey of Desire too. Exactly. Um, I, tu- I touched on them years ago, but I, never, I had never really fully unpacked it and... The thing is, is that, like, okay, everybody's experiencing loss uh, in, in some form or another. But the, the tragic thing is, is that every single Christian I have ever spoken to thinks that um, their future, let's call it the next chapter of the story, it is pretty boring. It's, mm. it's the eternal church service in the sky. Um, and, and nobody wants to say that and nobody wants to say gosh i don't know about heaven like like i i'm still trying to find happiness here and 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 then god's gonna what like make me go to church like everything we love and all our special places and all our yeah. dear memories like all yeah. of that goes away like yeah. in a ball of flames and then we all get we all get taken to a new place in the sky, and, and we, like, sing forever or look at yeah, God. No, I like to sing, but okay, all right, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's why it was just so important to, to help people begin to recover the most stunning, breathtaking news ever that actually nothing is lost. Jesus yeah. promises the restoration of everything you hold dear. Yes, yes, and you introduced a new word to my vocabulary, and I'm not even sure if I'm going to pronounce it correctly, but I'm going to try, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. The word is palingenesia. Did I pronounce it correctly? You're really close, palingenesia. Okay, see, thank you. So, yeah, tell us about this word. Okay, so here's, here's this passage, that, and this is where things really began to blow my mind and where hope really began to surge in my own life. So I'm reading Matthew, and I get to um, chapter 19, and Jesus is talking to his disciples, and, and Peter and the guys kind of ask him a pretty straightforward question. They said, look, we've left everything to follow you. What, what will there be for us? Like, is life only loss? Like, what, mm-hmm. what do you actually promise us? And Jesus just smiles, and he says, oh, he says, I tell you the truth, at the renewal of all things, and I just had to stop there and go, wait, what? The, the promise of God is the renewal of all things? And then Jesus goes on to say, you who have followed me and you have lost, he gets very specific. He's relationships, loved ones. He literally says houses and lands, all, like all your special places, your careers. It will all be restored to you. And, and yeah. the word that he uses there is that, um, palingenesia, and it's, it's a remarkable word. Paling, it's a conjunction. Paling, uh, Greek word meaning again, and genesia, genesis. 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 In the beginning. Again. Eden beginning again. Restored. Yes. 
That is that. It's almost too staggering to uh, to comprehend. So I just want to camp out here for a minute, if you don't mind. Cause, let's do. Let's camp right, let's out just, right you here. Like, you're a camper, so all right. So let's camp. All right. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna come right in here with a with a hard question because all right. So what do you say to someone who says, okay, you know what, that's nice and all, but you know what, life is not golden moments. It's not kayaking around. It's not about just the campfire. It's, I want it to be that way, but the reality is life is suffering. And frankly, I can't afford the luxury of opening myself up to thinking that there's more out there because it's like, it's like, it's like the prisoner, right? Who, who makes the mistake of, of dreaming out loud, you know, to the guards or his fellow inmates, uh, life outside the prison and gets beaten down for daring to dream. So what do you say to that person? Yeah. Um, hope is like breathing. You, you can only hold your breath so long. Most of us have been trying to hold our breath for a long time. We just, just don't expect much. Just don't, don't look for more. Like just hunker down. I get it. I get it. I've been there. But the thing is you can only hold your breath so long. Mm-hmm. Your heart needs hope. Your heart needs hope. In fact, um, Paul says this wild thing in Colossians. I, I don't write about this in the book, but he, he says, um, he's, he's talking to some dear people, who the church in Colossae, and he, he says, I've heard about your faith and your love, um, the faith and the love that spring from the hope that you have. Mm-hmm. And so even faith, even love, actually kind of rest on hope. People who right. have lost hope don't love very well. And people who have lost hope have a pretty hard time believing anymore. And so the recovery, right. the recovery of hope is just critical, oh gosh, especially right now in the world, especially when things just seem like a lot of suffering and a lot of loss. We, we actually do need to recover hope, and not a vague, wispy... Uh, the thing I love, C.S. Lewis says, you can only hope for what you desire. And so mm-hmm. you, can't, you can't generate hope for this strange, weird future life that's kind of heavenly and filled with worship. And what is that? Like, you can't hope for something you can't imagine. It just doesn't work. Your heart can't do that. So when Jesus, mm-hmm. when Jesus says, oh, no, my promise to you is the renewal of all things, very, very particular things. The, um, and and, and let, me, let me tell you how real this is, Nancy. This just happened yesterday, so I've got to share this with you. So there's a... Um, really sweet, dear couple in our community, in our church community, and they went through um, also a, a terrible loss of a child. They, uh, their child was actually stillborn um, and died in utero right at the end, and um, oh she had to give birth. She had to go through labor and all of that to um, to a dead child. And, and as you can imagine, I mean, it just devastated their faith and and their life and their walk with God and yeah all that and so um, I actually hadn't heard from them in a while I had seen the husband and he, he looked shell-shocked and but I, I, um, I got this email yesterday from his wife and somehow she got a copy of all things new I don't even know how because um, I didn't I didn't give it to them but she, here's what she says. She says, I can't tell you fully what it did for my heart because I don't even have the words yet, but I can tell you that I have a hope and a peace that I haven't felt in years. 
Mm. Like, we need that. Everybody needs that, right? You need hope. Boy, do we need that. You know, Romans, okay, so it just brings up Roman scripture to mind, right, that we also glory in our sufferings. Yeah. And that, that, that statement right there is like, what? No, yeah. no, thank you. But it, but it goes on. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character. And what does character produce? Hope. Yeah. That's what it says. And it, it's so counterintuitive, and yet this is, this is the restoration that you speak of that only God can do. Yes, yes. So Peter, you know, sat at Jesus' feet for all those years, and then... Um, in Acts, he, he gives a very famous sermon in Acts chapter 3, and he repeats the message. He says, Jesus must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore mm. everything. And, and again, the Greek there, apokatostasis, it's, it's a word that's used in the Gospels when Jesus heals a man's hand. He, the, his hand is withered, and then his hand is whole. Right. So the Restored. gospel, yeah. Christianity is not a bait and switch. It's not, look, um, God loves you and he understands you've undergone so much loss and suffering and that you will, but one day you get to go to heaven. That's not, that's not the promise. The promise mm-hmm. is I am going to restore to you everything you have lost. And, and a day is coming where... Um, well, as you said in the introduction, not only we don't spend our eternal life in heaven, we spend it right here on the new earth. Um, this earth, a restored earth, all your special places, all those things you love, like, yes, it all comes back to us. And, you know, I think right now, whoever's listening, I think their heads are tilting a little bit. Like, wait, what? Huh? Heaven? No, we always were taught heaven. And why? So you're saying I'm not going to be in heaven? What is this new earth that you speak of? Yeah. I know, I know, I know, because I, I was given the gospel of, of the eternal church service too, but um, in Revelation 21, it's very, very clear. It, it, um, John says, I saw heaven and earth and earth restored, mm-hmm. made new. Mm-hmm. And, and then he saw the new Jerusalem, he sees the new Jerusalem descending, it says, out of heaven, and it comes to the earth, and it says, now the dwelling of God is with men on the earth. Uh, and Paul in Romans 8 says that all creation, all creation, meaning this created order, not a different one, this one, all creation is groaning for the day of its redemption when the sons and daughters of God are revealed because God had subjected the creation to a curse. So this very world, the the Genesis created world that we love so much, this broken, hurting world is actually completely restored by God. And we are completely restored. And the wild thing is then, see, most people don't know what they do with their unending life. Well, we do. It's not hearts and halos. So so God then tells us, he, he restores us, he restores our world, and he tells us to do exactly what he told Adam and Eve to do, which is reign. Like, we get to care for creation again. We get to do all those things, all those gifts in you that never fully get a chance to fly. You know, that you're a musician, but you work at Walmart. You know, you're an architect, but you're a barista. You always wanted to be, you know, what, a teacher, but 
you're pouring concrete, like all those gifts in us, all that's restored when you are restored as a human being. God completely restores you. Along with that, you also speak of the, this concept of reward. So not only do we, do, we get, do we get to live out our heart's desires that perhaps were unfulfilled during this lifetime, but here, here's a quote. I, I love this quote. You said, no one should be expected to sustain the rigors of the Christian life without very robust and concrete hopes of being brazenly rewarded for it. So, so what is this? Is this like participation trophies or what? Talk, talk about this. <laughs> exactly, yes. And Nancy gets most <laughs> improved. Yes. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, this is lost too. Oh, we've lost so much. We've lost so much of the gospel. So um, the scriptures are very, very bold and very, very clear in the promise of reward. You take the parable of the minas and the parable of the talents as one example. When the, when the master comes back, um, he rewards his faithful servants, not by sending them to church forever. He actually gives them the estate. He says, come and take charge. Like, I give you, I give you the kingdom. And, and then you have all of these beautiful passages that make very clear, there is a day coming, friends, when your story is going to be told rightly not as a source of shame not as a source of judgment because roman tells us there's no condemnation now for those who are in christ but your story is going to be told rightly because you will be vindicated and all of your hidden choices all of those decisions like to forgive your your friend for a hundredth time and, and to endure and to hang on to your faith in the midst of so much discouragement all those choices are going to be richly rewarded. Like you are, you are literally rewarded for your life story in the coming kingdom. And I think one of the great joys at the wedding feast is that we get to watch the stories of our loved ones told rightly. And we get to see them like championed for who they really are. And then we get to see them rewarded for it. Like it's going to be Awesome. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So I have to tell you this. So you share a story, a friend of yours shared a vision, right, of, of what he saw as, as a divine vision of, of his reward ceremony. Yeah. That, um, you know, he said, I'm not sure if this is, from, you know, my heart speaking, but, I, I, but in the end, this was, was, you know, he saw this vision. And um, I have to tell you, so a few weeks before your dear friend Craig passed away last summer, my mother passed away. And, oh, my gosh, that was just the worst thing ever. No one gives you the memo. It's hard to lose your mother. But just before she passed away, my sister had a very similar kind of vision of her reward ceremony. So I just, my, my heart was just jumping off, you know, out of me as Whoa. I was reading that and so resonating. Whoa, that's beautiful. See, we, we just got to begin to fill our hearts with expectation like such goodness is coming to us. There, there is not a single thing that can be taken from you. It will not be totally restored. And, and all, of your, all of your perseverance is going to be so incredibly rewarded right here, right here on a restored earth with a restored you and a restored community, like love and joy and romance and adventure and oh my goodness. Like this is the hope that Hebrews calls the anchor of the soul. In Hebrews 6, we have this hope as an anchor of the soul. And, and so that's 
yeah, that's what All Things New is mm. about and kind of unpacks. So exciting, so exciting. And there's so much more I want to even say about this, but I, um, I, I want to ask you just one more. In fact, I hate to ruin a perfectly lovely conversation with a hard question, but I have to, okay? I think it's important to clarify something here. You would think that anyone in their right mind would want all of this, right? They would just jump at the offer of restoration and all it means, but you know what? There's, there's people out there that are saying, you know what? I'm good. If, if it means subjecting myself to an authority outside of myself. Yeah. So, you know, what, what do you say to that person who's rejecting, hmm. not just that I'm wounded and sinful, you know, but, you know, the, the rejecting the idea that the only way possible for this restoration is through the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. Yeah. God, um, God loves you dearly, and he also honors your will. Um, he will never force you to love him. He holds out to you the offer of life, uh, a life that will exceed your wildest dreams. Um, but he is at the epicenter of the kingdom of God and of the new earth. And if you don't want to be near his presence, the only option is, oh my goodness, the only option is to be outside of his presence, which is a very dark place, friends. Um, you see glimpses of it in terrorism, and you see glimpses of it in suicide, and you, you do not want to live in darkness. You want to come into the light and that, that door is wide open through the love of Jesus Christ. Hmm. And that's, that's where we wrap up with hope, because that hope is for everybody, not just yeah. certain people. Yeah. Well, John, I'm just so, so, it was such a joy to be able to speak with you today. And, um, I loved it. Oh, my gosh. So, but we have to tell people how we can get this book, when it's released, how they can find you. Yep. So All Things New comes out at the end of September. You can get it anywhere you get your books. Um, our website is ransomedheart.com, um, and there's some beautiful films that we're making around this book. I'm going to do an online Facebook Live book study with anybody who wants to join in October and November around this book. And, yeah, so much more hope to be uncovered. Nancy, thank you for having me on your podcast. You are so welcome, and you're welcome on the island anytime. There's plenty of hiking and kayaking opportunities here, so next time you come, bring Perfect. the family. I love it. Uh, Thank you. All right. God bless. Okay. God bless. So this just in. If you happen to be listening the day this podcast is released, that's Tuesday, September 26th, you can catch John Eldridge for a live Facebook event at 9 p.m. Eastern. That's 7 p.m. if you're a fellow Rocky Mountain dweller. And it'll still be there even if you can't catch it live. So just check him out on Facebook. Thanks so much to John Eldridge for hanging out with us today. And thanks to Logos Post for being our gracious host. You can check them out at logospost.com. And you can visit me on the Isle of Misfits. That's I-S-L-E of Misfits.com. I'd love to have you stop by. And as always, until we meet again, own your awkward and love your fellow weirdo.